Welcome back. Hello. Hello. It's it's us. It's the Insight Checked. It's your it's, it's your favorite co-hosts. Mm-hmm. I'm co-host number one, mainly because I get to talk first on this episode. It's very true. Uh, I'm your first co-host of this lovely podcast where we break down each week's episode of Critical Role. I'm Toph. And I am Chelsea, your other podcast host for the evening and all the other evenings you may have listened to us. Chelsea, what if they're not listening to this in the evening? Oh, or day? (laughs) (sighs) Making assumptions about our audience like that. We're recording in the evening, so... (gasps) Revealing secrets to our audience like that. Absolutely. People like those little insights into the process of making wow. the insight check. Insights. Wow. <laughs> okay. That was, that was corny. I apologize. That was a, <laughs> that was a re- Take a breather. I'm going to finish the rest of the intro. You just, just take a second. It's fair. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on our fifth episode. Woo, woo. Five episodes. That's a lot of episodes. No one thought we'd make it this far, least of all us. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We are back to break down the fourth episode Mm -hmm. of Critical Role. This episode was a lot. It was definitely a um, building episode. They're kind of setting up uh, the arc, uh, kind of growing uh, there was no combat this episode. No combat breakdowns this week, guys. Sorry. That's okay. I kind of actually like all of the role-playing part more than the combat. Maybe that makes me a weird D&D player. Loser. Hey. <laughs> it's a big component to a successful campaign. What are you talking about? What are they, do you mean it's one of the pillars of play? Absolutely. <gasps> There's another one. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I need to pick a new word today. You need to pick a new word. You need to pick a new catchphrase. Absolutely. It's not a good one. (laughs) Anyway. You're talking about the other pillars of play. No, D&D is just combat. Only combat. Join us on our only combat page. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a thing. Don't join us there. (laughs) Onlycombat.com forward slash the insight check. Oh my goodness. Yes. So rather than... Getting combat breakdown. We'll be giving you all of the information about the abundance of role play. We'll start off with our summary of events. Um, pre-show, we do get a ridiculous bit by Sam. Uh, his ad for Terranoth Legends from Fantasy Flight. I'm obviously not sponsored by them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why we keep giving the sponsors time on our show. They're not sponsoring us. I know, but the bits are so funny. They need to They need to be paid. You know what? From now on, we're not saying your name. We're just talking about the bit. Fair enough. Uh, it's a board game. And so Sam was talking about how they're um, 
they use like their cell phones as part of this board game for making noises and adding yes. effects to the game. It was and a companion app. He decided that he needed a companion app for the episode uh, <laughs> and <laughs> broke into everyone's phones to install the companion app. And you just took him in the genius bar. <laughs> made all kinds of fun noises uh, with their cell phones that were, of course, added in post. And like all good editors do, they edited over uh, with fart sounds. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. That was, I like the abundance of fart sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Critical Role definitely needed more fart sounds. And I'm glad that they finally filled their quota. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so that was that. And they talked about merch in the store and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and then starting off with our recap from the previous weeks. So last time we had our lovely group of adventurers yet to be named. Bertrand's Bells. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, they went on their mission from Lord Estros to investigate thefts from his warehouse. Um, they followed some leads after a very long planning session and made their way to the Weary Way Inn, where they had not previously slept. <laughs> Did not sleep there. Danny, get these people. I don't know what they were doing. Sorry, it's all right. Um, and they found uh, Danas, or Danny, as you've been referring to her as. Danny is just an easier name to say. That's true. I can never remember if it's like a long or short A. Mm-hmm. Regardless, uh, she was upstairs and they heard some creepy voices um, threatening her life. They bust in, have a fight with a creepy, creepy dwarf and his little shadow minions. His children. Uh, no. <laughs> no, you don't like my Aladdin voice? It's not that it's not accurate, it's just creepy. <laughs> children. Ew. Okay. Uh, the dwarf escaped. They went to Lord Estros to let him know what was happening. He was kind of sad about Danas's death, but... Um, you not know, too sad. Not that sad, but you know. It was really nice, though. He didn't tell her family that she was a dirty, dirty scoundrel. That's true. I'm still not convinced that she, you know, fully wanted that life necessarily. Okay, I mean, she was in it, so. It's true. It's true. Uh, they ate cake, got paid, and then celebrated at the Spire by Fire Inn. Where they had stayed. Where they had stayed. <laughs> Uh, and then Bill went off on his own for so whatever reason. He wa- he wanted to make sure that he knew where the windowed wall was the next morning so he looked like he knew things. He didn't want Imogen and Lamna to know that he, he didn't know everything. I know, it's sad. He was just doing his research. And then he gets stabbed in the alleyway by the dwarf. And... Dirty. Dwarf. Imogen has some creepy dreams. So that was all previous episodes. This, Previously on. <laughs> this episode of Critical Role uh, jumps right back in at the exact moment that we left off in. Um, so Imogen wakes up from her nightmare of um, a big storm and sees kind of Bertrand being consumed by the storm. Yeah, she basically. says he walks into it like acceptingly and she's kind of freaked out by that because she describes it to Imogen or she describes it to Laudna 
Uh, and she says no one would be comfortable walking into that. Like, it's a bad storm. Mm-hmm. So. so, yeah, they've got some discussion in the middle of the night. Uh, and Laudna kind of tells her that the dream probably means something, you know. Uh, it was probably a sign, although she's not sure exactly what it means. So they both agree to go to the tavern to check on Bertrand, see what's happening, um, kind of catch up with the group. Uh, they make their way to the spire by fire. Make my way. <laughs> to the spire by fire. Uh, and they ask the bartender to show Bertrand's room, and he refuses, so they just start yelling <laughs> down the hallway and knocking on all the doors until they finally make it to Orem's room. Uh, <laughs> and uh, throughout all of the knocking, um, Orem kind of is awake. He opens the door. They talk about what's going on, um, break into Bertrand's room, see that he's not there. And they decide that they should go try to find him outside. Um, Dorian points him in the direction that he saw Bertrand walk off to. And after a little bit of checking throughout the streets, they find Bertrand's body. Yeah, it was very sad. I think it was an interesting like moment for all the players. Because obviously, a character death can be really big. But we're only four episodes in you know like and everyone was kind of wondering what the deal was with bertrand anyway so his death didn't necessarily i think surprise anyone so no one was ever really that committed to his character necessarily yeah but they they and they make moves throughout the rest of the episode referencing how bertrand brought them together and you know he was really kind of a architect of the group maybe not like the most important member of the group. <laughs> but they he, he really brought them all together. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting to watch the cast almost have like separate meta-ish reactions to Bertrand dying or Travis dying, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, because like the table, above table, everyone's kind of joking about it, Bertrand died. Uh, because they all kind of treated Bertrand like the crazy uncle anyway mm-hmm. uh so you know like sam's uh sam regal beard watch the <laughs> f- the giant gas can with a bertrand you know flowered um frame and things like that mm-hmm. uh and just the the way that this death is treated is a little bit different from how you know like things with molly went or things with any of the times anyone in Vox Machina died, like everyone was sad because they were losing essentially a friend. But this time it's almost like we are losing a character in the story, but we are not losing someone who's important to us. No, it's definitely a different kind of reaction um, from Molly's death in Campaign 2. Also part of it might be that we're getting the reaction to Bertrand's death in a different week, mm-hmm. whereas, um, you know, Molly died and they continued that episode. That's true. Like, right away, where that shock was still, like, fresh. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think when we kind of saw Bertrand die last episode, the faces at the table were definitely shocked. Yeah, Travis was like, uh, excuse me? Yeah, like, there was maybe still a hint of amusement on some of the characters' faces, but there was more shock. But now we're kind of picking up 
and that emotion from seeing that scene kind of has faded a little bit as well. Right, right. I still don't think anyone would have been as sad compared to Molly's death, but I think that might also play into it a little bit as well. Um, So they find Bertrand's body, um, Orem, that's his name. So they find Bertrand's body, uh, and Orem does a really good medicine check, um, sees six stab wounds, three from a rapier, rapier, whatever we, I think we called it a rapier last time. (laughs) A sword. A sword, a pointy, sticky sword, and um, and three from a stiletto dagger. Um, and he immediately connects that to the dwarf. Meanwhile, Fern, our lord and savior, Ashley. Chaos gremlin that she is. She picks Bertrand's pockets. Um, and Travis texts text her what would have been in Bertrand's pockets. And it was Peanuts, Werther's Originals, which I love, by the way. Where are those originals? You can sponsor us. We love them. They're delicious. Uh, I will wear a Werther's hat while creating this podcast and editing it <laughs> and listening to it. Yes, I listen to my own podcast. I'm going to say, if you want to like gross old people candy, what about those weird strawberry candies right? that are yes. like soft on the inside? I hate those. Just saying. Uh, Whoever makes those candies, don't sponsor us. Right, right. Uh, Chapstick, Icy Hot, TV Guide, Murder, She Wrote, the Criterion Collection, and a 30-year-old condom. Of course. Um, So. I would just like to point out that 30 years ago, Bertrand was in his prime, hanging out with Vox Machina. Who was he intending that condom for? Huh? Huh? An excellent question. Who? (laughs) Who was he trying to get with? Well, you know, if he was looking for... Rog, maybe it was for Pike, you know? She was lonely. Oh my god. <laughs> Scanlan would murder him. Scanlan <laughs> would murder him. Anyway, uh, they decide to clean him up and take his body to Lord Estros, um, who is saddened, but not, like, bursting into tears. Uh, they do a lot of talking, asking about um, if... Lord Estros has enemies, and he's like, I have plenty of them, but none are dumb enough to try to get to me from Bell. Um, you know, I'm not that connected to him. Uh, he also kind of tries to push, uh, Lord Estros kind of tries to push that maybe Bertrand's past caught up to him, but um, Orem is very rigid in saying that it was from this job. So Lord Estros offers them to back out of this job, send other people but everyone kind of decides that they are committed to figuring out what this dwarf is what's going on following this thread and kind of avenging their their friend's death yeah it's, it's interesting liam does a great job here with orm um his initial medicine check was really really high uh which is great thematically because he was the one closest to the dwarf in the beginning he was the one who got stabbed the most mm-hmm. in the beginning, so he knows those wounds. Um, and he kind of plays into that when describing the the wounds that he sees on Bertrand initially, and then in his pushback to Lord Estros, uh, who kind of tries to dismiss this whole thing as not being his fault. I think maybe he didn't want specifically Bertrand's blood on his hands. I'm not sure. Because he doesn't seem to make a big deal out of 
uh, Bertrand's earlier party when someone dies. He doesn't really mention them in a specific way other than to just make fun of Bertrand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, just, it was an interesting point for me that he kind of went out of his way to presume that maybe this was Bertrand's fault, which you know, take a leak in an alley. You don't expect to get stabbed. <laughs> you know, you just, you're just trying to take a leak. You maybe expect to get stabbed if your DM is narrating it to you though. <laughs> hey, look, I have <laughs> taken a leak in many an alley and didn't get stabbed. I was narrating the entire time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, they kind of continue their conversation. Lord Estros offers them to, or no, he doesn't really offer. They ask and he agrees that they can stay there for the night. Uh, so he goes upstairs to clear a room of traps for him to rest in. And they continue their conversation, kind of mourning Bertrand a little bit. Dorian feels particularly upset that, um, he was the last one to see him alive and he let him go. But they, you know, try to tell him that it's not his fault. Um, Imogen kind of wishes that her gift had shown him sooner so that maybe they could have got there um, in time. Uh, and, you know, it was a good moment between her and Laudnev. Laudnev telling her, you know, it's a burden and that um, she can only imagine how difficult it is always having people's thoughts bombard her. Um, and Orm had kind of been listening to all of this and it really like strikes him that they've only met two days ago and everyone's already kind of starting to lean on each other and these groups are becoming intermingled. Uh, then they hear some <laughs> swords poke through the ceiling uh, from one of the traps being set off and they go upstairs who um, and finally get their, their long rest. Um, then we cut to Ashton and Letters, who wake up in the Crook House, uh, having their long rest without <laughs> being interrupted. Yeah, they have no idea what's happened. Don't have any clue. Uh, Ashton talks to Annie and Milo, uh, gives her some money. Uh, you know, Ashton's excited about the job, thinks it's a good gig, wants to continue. Um, then they decide to make their way make to their the... Way. <laughs> <laughs> to their meeting point where they're supposed to meet everyone in the morning and uh, in a good mood, stop to get breakfast sandwiches for everyone but Bertrand. <laughs> See, there it is. There's there's the player influencing the character, <laughs> making the jokes. Absolutely. Uh, they hang out for a while because the rest of the crew is late to the meeting having to sleep in a little bit longer to catch up on that long rest and having a traumatic evening, of course. Uh, but when they finally show up, Laudna just yells, Bertrand's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Letters is like, dead, tired? <laughs> um, and then Ashton says that they feel bad that they did not get Bertrand a sandwich. But do they, though? They probably don't. They don't. They don't feel bad. Mm-mm. Um, so they talk a little bit, catch him up on everything, tell him about Imogen's nightmares. Um, Fresh Cut Grass is a little bit confused by the lack of morning. Fresh um, Cut Grass is all of us in this moment. Why is no one just crying over his body? Someone should be weeping. This is a, this is a man of substance. He was with Vox Machina. 
He is Bertrand Bell. It's true. These are his sorcerous swords. Why are they not flocking <laughs> to his deathbed? These are Bertrand's Bells. Check out our Instagram for a great Bertrand's Bell logo concept. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Fern offers letters a Werther's original, and Matt pokes fun at Werther's, saying that no one will like them, even if the robot had taste buds. I like them, Matt. Is, I like wrong. them. I love Werther's. Um... There's some fun stuff about Mr. Eating Dorian's sandwich and then Laudna's sharing. Uh, but basically... Oh, yeah, we get the return of Mr. in this one. Yeah, Mr. makes more of an appearance in this episode. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Maybe Travis is going to come back as Mr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a very big Mr. Um, that's cool. I like I like seeing Mr. I like Fern being more of a wildfire druid, you know, like mm-hmm. having that spirit. I don't know if maybe... They were hesitant to bring it back up just because it was a little bit more ridiculous than a Bria's game, you know, flaming shit and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mr. was a big part of that. I guess maybe another reason they don't bring it up is because he could have a little bit more of a special power than he's intended to because mm. uh, he was very much connected to that whole plane of fire, ash hole thing that they were doing. <laughs> um mm. So I don't know if maybe that's why they were hesitant or what, but Furnace stuck to wild shapes and she's thrown some, she's thrown fire spells for sure, mm-hmm. but not really throwing Mister into the mix. Yeah. I think it also might be just, they had so many players at the table that adding an animal, because uh, Mister mm. in EXU, um, I believe rolled his like own initiative or like he had his own turn. Yeah. He was, I think he was right after Fern. Yeah. So, you know. That would be the nine characters going throughout the combat, which just adds to that length yeah, look, of time Ashley's a little bit. got it. She's fine. She's rolling. I mean, luckily, Mr. kind of has only a few <laughs> He throws poop. Yeah. And I think he might have bit something, too. Mm-hmm, but mainly he throws but poop. But mainly throwing poop. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of fun to get to see Mr. come back. Because I noted that he was absent, which was kind of sad. Mr. was a fun character, so. I will say, no offense, Matt, Abria's Mr. was way crazier, and I loved him. A little more animated, but you know, it's okay, it's okay. You'll get there, Matt, it's okay. You win some, you lose some. Um, so they all decide to go back to the Weary Way um, Inn to check out the room that Danas was murdered in, where the dwarf attacked them, kind of get a little bit more clues. They do some looking in the alleyway, um, and they um, go back up into the room. They check the balconies above the room. Um, Orem is able to find some footsteps on the roof, so they think that the dwarf might have escaped upwards and across the rooftops rather than out into the alleyways. Um, And then they decide to go into the coal crack under the desk. Yeah, that or Ormond had found it last time and then placed some furniture over it just so that no one would come in and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. But I told, I said it last time, he's going in the hole. I was going to make the short guy go in the hole. Always. Not fair. Mm-hmm. Not fair at all. But Orm goes into the hole. And of course he does. Um, he starts, I believe he goes in alone and then um, 
after not really being able to see anything, they pull him back out and then Fern turns into a snake to go in with him. So they yeah. both go down into and the hole. They hall. arm him with uh, the special coin from Fresh Cut Grass that they cast light on. And the rock uh, chisel from Laudna's hair. Yeah, and so he wraps it around his head and he has like a little headlamp uh, and his little rock chisel and he gets lowered down with Fern the snake with her tufts of hair. Ugh. Yes, snakes <laughs> have hair. Okay, get over it. Okay. Snakes with hair. I don't believe she specifies this time. The snake has hair. hair. <laughs> uh, and they get lowered down into this crack in between the buildings. Yeah, they make their way down. They can see that it's Make roughly... <laughs> I'm so bad at that. Uh, it's roughly carved. Um, they don't have a great like investigation check, um, but it, it appears that it was kind of burrowed and dug and kind of ripped open. Um, and they continue down further uh, and just kind of keep going down into the abyss. They get to the end of the rope, you know, 40 feet down and can't see anything and so um using the coin that was given to him by fresh cut grass uh he drops it down into the hole and the coin has this power that uh as it is dropped once it hits the bottom it will ping you and anyone who hears that ping will know how far of a distance the coin fell and so he drops the coin and waits (laughs) And waits. And waits and waits and waits. And keeps waiting. And waits some more. And then they finally hear the coin um, ping off the bottom. And uh, they know that it was 1,200 feet deep. Which is forever. Yeah, it's very, very, uh, very deep. Um, They get pulled back out of the hole because they're also worried that other things might have heard the coin drop. Uh, but nothing follows them, uh, and they ask Matt um, how kind of tall the lantern spire that they are on is, um, and that is the shortest of the spires um, and is not 1,200 feet tall. Yeah, um, so those things dug up from hell. Yeah. Yeah, they're a new race of tieflings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Then fresh cut grass is like mildly devastated. Mildly devastated about the coin, but maybe also not. Who knows for sure? Yeah, they play it. They play it cool. You know, they're like, "Oh, it's all right. It's fine." Uh, Orm is clearly devastated by the fact that he has harmed this robot. Mm-hmm. Um, offers to pay for it. Offers he's he's heartbroken that he has potentially offended fresh cut grass absolutely because um fresh cut grass does say that uh it's from dancer who is dead um and they you know gave it to them they insist that it's fine um but it's also hard to tell if it's just sam Mm -hmm. (laughs) being mean or if it's actually fresh cut grass um laudna does ask how dancer died because she has no (laughs) cooth I think Laudan is just really straightforward. She just, you know, she's interested in what she's interested in. She's not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's true. And so we find out that Dancer was eviscerated by a monster. 
that um, yeah, possibly that one-eyed monster that he had asked about before. Yeah, pro- probably. Um, Orm insists on giving money to uh, Fresh Cut Grass, who, of course, doesn't want 200 gold, doesn't use money. So he doesn't even want to eat it. Ashton um, gladly takes it for, for his behalf. Um, they do also note that the coin, when it falls, somehow kind of makes a hard turn. Um, so they're not sure like, if it got carried by a draft or how exactly that worked. Fern did suggest that they just drop and get carried by this wind too, but everyone decides that's a terrible idea. Hey, you know, we're basically gods. <laughs> Shout out to campaign one. We'll drop and turn into a goldfish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From there, they talk a little bit more about the shade creatures and kind of say that they're more like fey myths, like people don't normally see them, and the ones that they had didn't explode into flame. So then they go back downstairs um, because they want to see if the dwarf was the one that was renting the room. And if so, what name was he using to rent under? Assuming it was probably a false name, but still gives them at least a starting point for looking. And so they send Ashton down (laughs) to uh, talk with the bartender. Send the abrasive barbarian down. Yes. You know. Good idea. He does seem to know everyone. (laughs) But maybe that's not always a good thing. <laughs> His jacket says, just don't. No. But they just did. <laughs> uh, Ashton does roll a 20 on his persuasion check. Um, and the bartender uh, says that the name was Duggar and he'd been renting the room kind of on and off um, for the past month or so. Uh, so that is at least a starting point. Um, so having kind of that name and that starting point, they decide to head back to Lord Estros, see if um, he has any ideas, see kind of what's happening. Um, but they do decide to stop at some of the inns on their way here and just see if the name Duggar shows up on anyone else's bookings for different rooms and stuff. And that's where they take their break. Break time. What do you think about the first half of the episode? Uh, I thought it was good. There was a lot of development, um, being able to kind of see some character growth. Uh, that's really what I like a lot anyway, as I had said earlier, you know, combat's not always my favorite part, so I, I like it. Combat is the only thing in D&D, don't listen to her. <laughs> I liked getting to see everyone kind of react to the death and start planning, figuring out their, their next moves, um. And it was good that they were able to accomplish some stuff without just planning the whole time. Onlycombat.com forward slash the insight check. <laughs> what did you think? I liked it. No, it was, it was good. Everyone made some good moves. I really love watching Dorian slash Robbie slash Dorian wrestle with his kind of role in everything because he was the last one to see... Bertrand alive and that's got a way on him in some respects um but also he's a grown-ass man so like what are you gonna do strap him down mm-hmm. like he made his decision <laughs> um it's true. but from what we know about dorian whether or not you watch dxu just watching him be around people in these first couple episodes you know that he's very much attached to his friend you know mm-hmm. instead of attacking some rounds he's 
finding his way to Orm and healing him or giving that bardic inspiration out to try and get him back in the fight. Uh, and I think it's kind of important that we stop and recognize those moments because those are great like character moments, but also just great D&D moments where you get to see the party building itself up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Dorian's circle will eventually expand to these other crazy people that he has met. Uh, and I think that's cool. I think it's 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 almost it's starting with Bertrand retroactively because while he wasn't big, the biggest Bertrand fan, none of them were. It's you you were connected to this person, and how dare someone attack one of my people? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my person. Do not touch them. I'm the only one who can make fun of them. Yeah, Dorian has always been very protective, um, and. You see that even like in EXU um, with his relationship with Orem, who was a little suspicious of Dorian um, while they were kind of being tested with their um, piece of the Spider Queen. Whatever their vestige of the Divergence. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, big names. Uh-huh. Um, so like, you know, it started with Orem being a little bit uncertain about Dorian and Dorian really working to prove that he cared more about the group's best interest and that he could use that uh, protective instinct to be able to um, put that temptation down. Yeah. I think it's interesting, especially for Dorian's character from where he was and where he is now, Uh, just the amount of like growth and, and, and just Robbie's growth as a player, too. Yeah, Robbie's doing great. I love Robbie on the cast. He fits in really well. Mm-hmm. He's very, very funny. <laughs> he and Travis are adorable. <laughs> Next power couple right there. Watch out, Sam and Liam. Um, but I, I like it. I like his his role here. I like his protector kind of energy that he brings, even though... He's a he's a strong boy, but he's not that strong of a boy with 20 hit points or whatever he's got. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's doing a great job. I think Dorian's a great character. Now, I do wish we could start delving into... And it's unfair because we're only four episodes in, but we've had eight other episodes of Dorian. I need to know what's up with his background, why he doesn't use his real name. Mm-hmm. What what's what's with his brother? Huh? Huh? Why does he not like other Genasi? What's going on? Because he had that whole thing with Pharaoh Rai last time where he was untrusting of her up until he got his memories back. It's true, yeah. They started a lot of backstory in EXU for Dorian that they never finished or answered. Yes, um, I need those answers now. And now that they are on his home continent. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get to see some of those answers. I need them now. We must go to his house immediately. <laughs> that would be good. I wouldn't mind getting to follow that a little bit more. Exactly. Sure. But we do get to see a little bit more of Dorian after the break. Um, and it's some cute moments between him and Imogen where they are interrogating someone at one of those inns. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, he goes into... Uh, one of the taverns, and kind of talks loudly about, like, that good-for-nothing Duggar. 
to see if anyone reacts. Uh, and when someone does, he goes over and kind of tries to have this casual conversation. Um, he's not particularly great, even for being a bard and charisma should be yeah, great he, for him. He's not rolling well there. Robbie doesn't <laughs> do well in this situation, but Dorian seems actually to do not too terribly. It's adorable. Um, they're able to kind of have some talks and the whole time Imogen is talking with Dorian in his mind to give him ideas of questions to ask. Let him know that uh, the person that they're talking to um, kind of is losing interest in the conversation or gaining interest back and forth. Yeah, it's a really good one too. Dorian on the charm offensive and Imogen being able to talk to not only him in his mind, but cast tech thoughts Mm -hmm. and listen to that other person. Yeah. Uh, Very, very good interrogation technique. Hopefully we see more of it because it was a fun dynamic. Yeah. So even though one of the persuasion checks that Doran rolls is like a nat one, yeah. uh, they're able to recoup. Uh, and the uh, tiefling that they're talking about, they spin the story about um, Duggar and Dorian gambling and him like running off with their money even after Dorian won. And so um, they're able to kind of hear that um, Duggar wasn't always this kind of creepy, weird, um, pasty grossness, Mm -hmm. uh, that that is something new. He used to just look like a normal dwarf. Um, Doran tries to ask, like, where he's staying. um, And when the tiefling says he's not sure, that's when Doran casts his charm person. Yeah, the charm person here was a great move. A risky move, but a great move. Because mm-hmm. uh, Matt could have easily been like, well there, sir, a charm person requires some some verbal components there. Uh, give me a sleight of hand check to see if you could cast a spell on this man in front of his face. You know, kind of deal. But it, it's, a, it's a good moment. It's a good idea. Yeah, sometimes um, you have to reward those good ideas, for yeah. sure. And the... The lie detector test that is Dorian and Imogen as a combo (laughs) is one of my favorites. It's absolutely perfect. Um, So through this charm person, they're able to find out that Duggar was a carpenter um, making, you know, decent money. uh, And then he's kind of been running with this who bought Corsairs. Some of these names, man, it's not my fault. Hey, (laughs) I do the best that I can. Just throw it out there one more time. Let's see. Let's see. Mm, who bought Corsairs? Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, these Robin Hood gangs that steal from the rich to give to the poor. That's basically what they are. Um, they get the name of the tiefling, which is Janiah. Uh, and Janiah definitely flirts with Dorian a lot. Yeah. But uh, they sneak out pretending... Oh, sorry. Actually, first they ask him about Broomstone. (laughs) He's confused, doesn't know anything about it, Um, which kind of was a funny mood ruiner. But then not really the, you know, charmed tiefling still loves Dorian. Everyone loves Dorian. Uh, They sneak out pretending to get refills and then try to uh, get out of there for sure. Uh, they go and fill in the rest of the party, and then they make their way back to Lord Asteros' estate. 
Um, that's where they decide what they're going to do with Bertrand's body. And after some discussion, they decide to send him back to Vox Machina uh, by way of Whitestone. I almost said Greystone. Yes. Well, hey. Whichever one. <laughs> Whitestone it is. But... <laughs> uh, by way of Whitestone um, to let them kind of be able to give him the proper, you know, burial that Bertrand would have wanted, they expect. Mm-hmm. Um, they also uh, learn that Estros, by way of the Prudage estate, has his own skyship that they can use once it returns from dropping off Lord yeah. Estros. Conveniently out of town, Lord Estros. What are you doing? Keep your skyship close. That's true. That They might need that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the round trip is not very long. Um, Lodna also makes some interesting comments about Whitestone, um, talking about how it has ties to the dead, and so that Bertrand, as you know, a corpse, would be welcome there. She's dead. She's one hundred percent dead. She I, died in Whitestone. That might be a, might be one of those hidden signs. She didn't escape. There was no escaping. She died in Whitestone and came back. <laughs> the Briarwoods killed her. They also make some. Um, funny above table kind of jokes um saying that you know the person in charge of whitestone is way more powerful than the person in charge of zephra oh my god yes <laughs> the best meta game slash not really meta gaming slash canonizing of <laughs> i don't know <laughs> ridiculous bickering it was great i loved it um and i'm i'm on board the Lord and Lady of Whitestone, definitely way more powerful than the the leader of Zephra. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Ah uh, yes, two people on a rock. So much more powerful than you know the leader of an entire group of peoples. Hey hey, look, look Miss Ashari, look. I mean, I don't know anything about these uh, people. Let's be honest. Give, give me give me Percy and bad news all day, okay. All 52 billion attacks for 10 million damage per round. It's a dangerous man. <laughs> they continue talking to Estros about some of the other... Oh, sorry, I didn't actually acknowledge. I don't know anything that you just said. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> but I'm glad you're excited by the jokes about campaign one. Yes, campaign one, one jokes. One, one day I'll watch it. You'll uh, we'll watch a TV show. That's uh, true. That's what I'm saving for that. There we go. Um, so then they continue talking with Estros about um, the news they found out about Duggar, um, who isn't aware of the name. And then they ask him about that who bought Corsairs, um, who Estros kind of um, says that he actually was thinking about maybe trying to team up with this group, um, saying that they give him kind of faith that not everyone is corrupt and that, you know, they were also fighting against this corruption with that kind of Robin Hood mantra that they live by. If they are attacking innocent people, then they're better at hiding it than like the syndicate um, is. Uh, and a lot of times these different crime organizations will will have gang wars and will clash and have violence. Are you a shark or are you a jet? <laughs> when you're a jet, you're, you're a jet, jet all the way. 
And then he also kind of talks about um, he had been trying to maybe make some contact with the Corsairs, um, but people always kind of turned down his bribes or, you know, uh, they maybe just didn't want to connect to him, not really knowing what Eshros's deal was, but that he can continue trying to reach out. Yeah, if you're Robin Hood and a rich guy reaches out and he's like, hey, I'd like to help you. Yeah, it seems a little sus. It's very suspicious. Uh, And then Lorde kind of says, like, if they uh, are made up of desperate people on the fringes of society, maybe that's where they should kind of start going to to ask around and look around over there. Um, But, you know, uh, Estros just warns him to be careful and that now he warns them to be careful. Then also, like, if they get in good, try to get him in good with them, too. Uh, he wants to kind of expand his reach, and it's hard to do so when he's cooped up in a manor all the time. Well, maybe get out of your manor, uh, Batman Beyond Batman, and stop recruiting kids to do your own job. That is true. That is true. Your, your little vigilante core. Mm-hmm. Don't get children murdered. Exactly. Bertrand wasn't a child. But I'm counting him as on your head. That's one Robin down. One Robin down. (laughs) Um, Fresh Cut Grass kind of asks for a lead so that they're not just continuing to jump from random tavern to random tavern. uh, And they get the idea to go to the Foundsea Hollow, um, where kind of the fringes of society tend to, to meet up. And then um, there's also the tunnels under the lantern spire called the Elder's Post. Uh, so the party thanks Estros. He tells them to you know try to stay together. And uh, this is where Imogen rolls a <laughs> uh, insight check to see if Estros is sincere with his concern. Uh, she rolls a one. So interestingly, I think this is our only insight check of the game. I believe so. Uh, and that could prove fatal. That is also true. Um, and then uh, they kind of talk more about Duggar and whether or not he really would be connected with this Robin Hood type organization that seems to be pretty good where Duggar was pretty creepy. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really seem to fit. Uh, we also ask... Um, or. Fern does ask Estros before they leave about what is mined in the spire, because they know mining occurs there. True, true. And um, they hear that, like, most everything that can be mined is mined there, except for broomstone. Um, And this is uh, something that is very, like, kept secret as a closely guarded secret of kind of where that comes from. Oh, there is actually, no, another uh, insight check that Fern rolls. Oh, yeah. Um, and she actually gets a 19 and earns a whisper. Oh, yeah. Campaign whisper. Look at that. More whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, one for the natural one, I think, was not as uh, paid attention to because that's where, where the gas can comes out. Yeah, so it's, it gets a little bit like <laughs> snuck in there. Uh, but Fern does earn a whisper with her insight check um, just to kind of see if Estros is telling the truth. Um, and she tells Imogen mentally that he does seem to be telling the truth. Um, 
And then they wish him good luck and they kind of continue on their way. Uh, Letters does say that they should like all say goodbye before they leave and everyone um, stops on the way out of Astros' house to, um, you know, pay their final respects. Laudna in true creepy form cuts some hair from Bertrand's head. Oh, God. Um, Dorian in an actual moment of sweetness. Yeah, Dorian, one of the only people who... Taking this seriously. Taking this to heart. Uh, he says to Belle that he's going to continue, you know, working on his song for him. Uh, Fern ties some ribbon around uh, Belle's wrist with an oleander flower. Uh, and makes a joke about how she never really trusted him because he didn't like jazz and, you know, jazz is chaos incarnate. <laughs> Fern would like jazz, Jesus. It does make sense. Um, and then Ashton, in true asshole form, was like, huh, well, in a couple days, Bill will have been dead longer than we actually knew him. <laughs> You're not supposed to point that out, Ashton. The man died. Um, Mr. Coughs and Fern is proud of Mr. for contributing. Oh, I love it. And they do kind of appreciate that Bertrand was the one that at least got them all together and bought them rooms and drinks. So that was helpful. Uh, and then they <laughs> ask if Bertrand ever closed the tab and paid for it. And Estros is like, nah, don't worry about it. They can try to make, <laughs> they can go find Bell and collect. <laughs> right. Um, and then as everyone leaves, Orm does stay behind to kind of have a private conversation with Estros, asking about. Um, Oshad Brescio or the anger, the um, character that it seems like Orem and the XU gang were sent to ask about and try to find. Maybe Travis's new character? Every mm-hmm. second of this episode, I was just like, is that Travis? <laughs> is that Travis? There's a person over there, Matt's describing him for more than three seconds. Is that Travis? It was not Travis. I know. Travis, unfortunately, does not make an appearance in this episode. So hopefully next time. Although um, there are some rumors that he might not get introduced until like the next calendar year, Christmas time. So, I mean, he might appreciate a little bit of a break, but we want him back. He's got CEO stuff to do. CEO entrepreneur. Travis. Travis Willingham. <laughs> we don't know what year he was born. <laughs> we can look it up, but not as fun. Right, right. Um, so Estros recognizes that Orem is part of the Ashari. Um, he says that he's never worked with Brescio, um, but knows of them. And uh, that the house that he was assigned to um, was attacked. Um, and kind of Orem um, thinks that his business has to do with that kind of attack because it was reminiscent of something um, from where he came from. Uh, and wants to kind of follow that connection. Uh, Estros has a connection. Estros's connection to the house um, with the target of the attack, that's kind of all strained, but he'll try to look into it um, and... That if, you know, if, if Orm can stay safe, Estros can try to arrange something for him to go and meet with the family and try to uh, finish this business for him. Orm kind of finally leaves, giving a last look at Bertrand, wishing him a safe journey. 
Uh, meanwhile, everyone else is working to try to say Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Um, Ashton realizes he doesn't have any contacts with the Corsars. Um, there's like a lot to talk to him, but uh, there's uh, not really anyone that he specifically knows about them. Uh, Fern and Dorian do notice that Orm's absent, but they trust him and you know assume that they're he's talking, trying to get some of the information. Yeah, and I think that was a moment prompted by Dorian. I think Robbie. Um, Maybe not directly taking cues from Liam, uh, but they both do this kind of thing where they will insert a piece of role play, uh, not unnecessarily, but like just throw it out there. Uh, so this moment of him talking to Fern doesn't really need to happen. You know, nothing really comes of it. It's just, uh, hey, do you think, what do you think Orm's doing in there? You know, how do you feel? I trust him. Uh, but it does kind of cement some of those character interactions. And I always like to think that like, while we're at the table watching these people play, we, and it's, it sounds absurd to say, we only see them for a very short period of time, right? Like it's a four hour stream, but if you take D&D as just those four hours you play at the table, it's not a lot of time character interaction wise. And I think Liam is really good at, providing these like little moments like he used to do it with caleb all the time we'd be like oh caleb you know sits and writes in one book and then writes in another book Mm -hmm. as a player i could interact with him but also just as a story building moment maybe someone notices that right like maybe someone notices fern and dorian talking to each other and that prompts them further on down the line to kind of jump into that group and i kind of really like that robbie is also making these moments with characters and kind of sticking himself in situations where as a viewer i can very easily get a sense of what he's like and and how he feels about everyone and also make dumb little headcanons like (laughs) i bet you sometimes dorian workshop songs with fern just to see how outrageous they can get. <laughs> oh my goodness. With her jazz influence. Yeah, with her little pan flute. I'm I'm telling you, they they kind of go off in secret sometimes and make up little dumb songs. Yeah, it really adds a lot of depth to the characters. I mean, especially as Robbie is kind of a newer player, having the ability to spin those stories and create those moments is really, um, really impressive for him. Like I said, doing a great job. Doing a great job. This is a We Love Robbie episode. <laughs> uh, we also love Liam and Ashley and everyone. Yeah, everyone. Just all in all, everyone. Um, so they do um, decide to go with Ashton and Fresh Cut Grass down to the Crook House to get to see where they've been staying so they know where to find them <laughs> if anything goes wrong again. Because yeah, no one knew where they were. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, they do get introduced to Milo, um, and Milo introduces Pate. <laughs> uh, Milo just thinks everyone is super cool. Uh, Immediately picks out Dorian as the rich kid, though. Oh, yeah. Spots that from Which a mile away. Which was really away. cool. I liked him, uh, him kind of, like, sizing up everyone, and they were like, hmm, I know what you're about. Mm-hmm. Next. Yeah, Milo kind of looks at everyone with those 
thick Coke bottle glasses and yeah, but- discerns a lot. I thought it was a really cool moment. They were really cool, and it gave Fern the uh, that tickles. And then Milo was like, "I don't, I don't think that's how that works." <laughs> it was cute. It was cute. Really good. Um, Ashton asks Milo about the Corsars and about Duggar, um, and uh, Milo kind of says that um, Advic is kind of a contact that they could use to try to get in with the Corsars. Um, but Ashton recognizes the name and makes a comment about a debt needing to be settled first, uh, but then ignores everyone's attempt, <laughs> uh, especially Imogen in his head, uh, asking about who Advic is and what's yeah, going Ashton, on there. Who is Advic? Why is it that every time we bring up a name connected to you, Ashton, there's some terrible, terrible backstory? Mm-hmm. Why do you owe everyone money? Who are you, <laughs> Jack Sparrow? Like, Jesus Christ. Basically, I think that's inappropriate. <laughs> like everywhere they, everywhere you go, you owe someone money. Yeah. Why do people keep giving you money? Mm. Um, Milo also says that you could ask Effid, um, who uh, you know isn't necessarily trustworthy uh, in Ashton's mind, um, <laughs> and Imogen cries a lot about that as well. Um, yeah, because you keep bringing up names and not telling me who or why they are. Mm-hmm. We got Effid, we got Advic, we got Mysterious Lady from last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get some more uh, picking at Orem about the coin. <laughs> and then Fern wants to know how heavy fresh cut grass is. Uh, she tries to pick them up and fails, but Fresh Cut Grass is able to pick Fern up easy peasy. <laughs> I love the idea that Fresh Cut Grass is super, super heavy, but doesn't look it. I know. <laughs> like, super dense. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, Ashton does decide that Advic is probably the better option, so um, they lead everyone to the Elder Post. Um, they kind of enter this little side alley. So they make it to the elders post. Um, they're looking around. Uh, it's kind of like a weird marketplace um, with lots of little winding paths and branches. It's, it's diagonally. Um, they go, diagonally. They go to find Advic because it's not like, I guess, a normal stationary spot yeah. uh, that people are placed. And in the process, they run into Ethrid. Or the Shadow Baker. Who I also thought was Travis's character. And I just spent a lot of time describing them. And I was like, why would he? Why Why does it matter? They're going to walk away from this person in two seconds. That's got to be Travis. It's Travis. The chat was losing their mind. Yeah, it was absurd. Um, the Shadow Baker chooses the correct pastry for you. Um, and it's apparently always correct because... Both like Laudna and Imogen loved the pastries that they got. Or a mask for a pie. And uh, the <laughs> shadow maker yells at him that he is a maker of pastries and not, or he's a curator of fine pastries, not of pies. Okay. All right. Let's settle it. Pastries or pies? As like my choice of which I prefer? Yes. Pastries for sure. But Pie Pies crust are... is also kind of pastry dough for the right? most part. I mean, there are different types of pie crust. Like I wouldn't refer to a graham cracker crust as a pie crust or as, as a pastry crust rather. But like assured, 
crust is kind of a pastry dough. Okay, okay. So if it comes down to it and the shadow baker walks up to you, you want a piece of cake. No, I, I want a pastry or a tart. You want a tart? I'd take a tart. Okay, all right. Not like a cookie or anything? Is Ugh, that... cookies are the worst. Did you just say that on something we're going to put on the internet? Yeah, I don't like cookies very much. I just baked cookies like three I days know. ago. Why didn't you tell me this before I bought a bunch of cookies? Well, you keep baking the delicious cookie dough, and I don't know why you keep doing that. <laughs> you keep ruining the cookie dough. Okay, so the shadow baker comes up to you. What does he pull out? I feel like this should be one of our insight <laughs> questions. Um, for me, I feel like he might pull out like a good old just like apple tart or, you know... Um, like a Danish, maybe? Like an apple Danish? Not a cheese Danish. That's weird. I know. Cheese does not go with pastry. I don't, I don't understand why anyone would do that. I love cheese Danishes. I know you do. It's weird. I'm being real mean today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like a, a chocolate-filled croissant. Croissant? Croissant. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I see. What about you? A cheese Danish. It's gonna be it's gonna be the Starbucks sugar plum cheese Danish. A hundred percent. I love okay. it. I love it. Continue. Um, they kind of talk with um, Efrid for a little bit, uh, and uh, they think he's really cool, and he just kind of like dips out. He just like disappears. Uh, they continue on to the Root Trader alcove to talk to Heron um, that Efford kind of told him to, to go check out. Um, so they move that way. And uh, Dorian agrees with me that pie is kind of technically a pastry. <laughs> uh, they continue to discuss their pies uh, as they make their way into this, uh, as they refer to it, um, kind of fantasy sephora <laughs> yes uh they enter uh all kinds of manner of herbs and spices and healing ingredients um is all over the place uh and this is where they run into a brass dragonborn the first ever dragonborn in critical <laughs> the first <laughs> ever dragonborn <laughs> Never seen a dragonborn in Critical Role, so it's amazing. It's so weird. Um, and then there's also a like bird person there too. Um, Not to be confused with bird person from Rick and Morty. Yeah, uh, and using the kind of code words that the Shadow Baker told them, um, they say to the workers of the shop that they are looking for Heron. They've come for the laughter. Uh, and the dragonborn closes the door, uh, and Heron, who turns out to be the bird folk person, guides them to a door, and they step inside. Uh, and it's uh, at that moment they kind of walk down this spiral staircase, which is not easy to do, um, especially for fresh-cut grass. Poor fresh-cut grass. How is he going to get downstairs and upstairs? And what if they need to run? You know, what if they need to run down the side of a pyramid? So he's just going to... Just kind of bump his way down. No, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's going to be hard for him. Um, 
and they kind of make their way to this dark room uh, down below. Uh, Doran pulls out a scimitar to kind of light up the room. And it's there that they see like 30 people just surrounding them. Uh, and Heron tells them that these folks have come for the laughter and everyone kind of starts laughing and uh, they approach them, um, the whole group, and, you know, tell them that they uh, definitely aren't having a very lucky day. <laughs> uh, and that's when they kind of realize that maybe the baker uh, didn't didn't appreciate Imogen in his mind and probing and... Uh, yeah, there was a there was a failed persuasion check earlier by Ashton, and then Imogen in his mind uh, did not lead to good circumstances. Yeah, not at all. Maybe like an insight check there would have helped, but right? but it does leave us on a good cliffhanger, um, and that is where <laughs> Sam <laughs> makes one last <laughs> joke at Liam's expense, saying that. He had a coin that could, you know, stun 30 people, so. <laughs> uh. I love it. I love it. And then uh, they, you know, call it an evening for that, so. And that was that was episode four. Definitely a cliffhanger. Uh, so it sounds like we're going to get to start with one of your favorite combat sessions. There is not going to be any combat here. 30 guys, you're not talking... Dorian has 20 hit points. Yeah, it's not going to go well if they try there's, to come. There's combat. not going to be a combat here. This scene does feel very, like this end scene feels so much like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, where they all like, <laughs> they're, um, where Quasimodo and um, Phoebus are like trying to sneak into the Court of Miracles and they just get <laughs> surrounded and then they're going to get put on this like sham trial oh my god that's my prediction for the next episode oh my god i think i think this uh this court of owls as i will call them because it does feel very court of owls to me uh they're they're just bluffing they're just hooting popping up their little feathers they're not gonna take on my team they are here for the laughter so it could be a prank but i i want a musical number um, I think Matt needs to get on that. <laughs> yeah, he's got 30 extras to play with. I need dancing. I need choreography. Yeah. I need everything. We need a jester-like character, you know, dancing mm-hmm. with bones. And Speaking of jester, I need a just a one-off. Do it in the, in the break commercials. Jester meeting the, the shadow, shadow baker. baker. Oh my God, she would be ecstatic that would that's a a meeting of the minds that needs to happen honestly i think we can blame orem for the shadow baker sending them to their death because of the pies you know that was just an insult to grave (laughs) okay all right i can see it i can see it now i do want to talk about something that happens earlier in the episode uh just because it connects to our other critical role lands um, earlier, we find out that Duggar has been doing this new brown sued. Um, mm. And sued is uh, a drug that you might be familiar with from Campaign 2. Um, Beauregard has a really, really nice bag of sued that she eventually uses to incapacitate a monster uh, for a couple seconds. Not, not forever, but... I just think it's interesting that this has come up again 
it's another link back to a previous campaign, a weird substance Mm -hmm. that doesn't really get used often. Um, But this time it's brown and maybe doing something to Duggar. I'm not sure. Because it's it's recreational. Mm -hmm. So what's up with that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that the, this coloration or, you know, maybe it's stronger or something. That might be why it's... Maybe it's cut with brimstone. Ooh, that doesn't sound like a fun way to get high. <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> supposed oh, to, that uh, bad. Supposed to up your high. Uh, it, I mean, does feel like it might fit, though, that if... They're running broomstone um, and smuggling broomstone that maybe they are smuggling other substances, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could just be unrelated. Maybe this guy, Duggar, is having to do crime to pay for his drugs. Don't do crime, kids. I don't cause you to have to pay for drugs. Yeah, you know, it's the PSA. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Um and just a nice link back to our fair lady Beauregard. Yeah, I actually um I didn't even think about that connection when they they brought it up. So that is yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to see kind of how that goes. Assuming they ever get out of this dark, out of this. dark. Well, reveal. I mean, to be fair, they could very easily get out of this. They have before. Do you remember EXU leaving the the city? Mm. Posca had them surrounded mm-hmm. and Fern pulled out the big charm person in that moment to get them out of the city. So I wonder if she's going to try and do it again. That is true. That would be a, a good kind of callback and would make sense as a character that she might try something that was successful in the past. Yeah. Now, my question, though, is do you think they are going to get busy dealing with this group and totally forget about their mission <laughs> to go find Advic? <laughs> Do you think they're going to actually make it back to Advic? I don't think they make it back to Advic. I think that maybe this is where they always intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe this is, we don't need Advic anymore, you know? Um, but I would like to know what Advic knows. Why? Why has Ashton got so many skeletons in the closet? Mm-hmm. Why the skeletons? I don't understand. You're not even that old. You know, I guess when you're um, living on the fringes of society, it's easy to rub people the wrong way. Well, maybe they need some help and maybe some etiquette classes. Because <laughs> too many enemies right out the gate. And that is true. But, you know, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how do you feel? We talked a little bit about Bertrand. How do you feel about kind of how this is being set up? Uh, And I'll preface that with the information that Matt and Travis did kind of work together on this. Mm -hmm. Matt released in a tweet uh, maybe a couple days ago at this point that Travis wanted his new character, his like campaign three character to come in at a later time. Mm Mm-hmm jrpg style you know come in midway through the story come in a little bit later uh so they planned him to come in later 
And in the meantime, since Matt didn't want him to miss out on table time, ooh, table time, that's a cute name, mm-hmm. um, they had him come back as Bertrand Bell. And Bertrand's been a really good quest giver and a really good kind of get everyone together because it's, it's a lot of work to get all of these people together. We saw it in campaign two where you had Ford, Jester, and Bo together already. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb and Not together already. And then Yasha and Molly Mock together. And bringing them all into one space and linking them was a little bit difficult. Like, it wasn't forced. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a storm of circumstances where some tables might not have been successfully, you know, coerced enough into wanting to go on the adventure mm-hmm. um but let's be real if you're playing D and you feel the need for your dm to have to coerce you to go anywhere you're not playing it right yeah make a character that wants to be there people <laughs> um but this this was just a very interesting like an older character brings you together and and maybe some of them know that history but a lot of them don't so with all of that in mind Travis, obviously, having a new character, how do you feel about Bertrand Bell, his death? Does it add anything for you? Does it does it make the story better, or does it, does it feel manufactured? No, I think it, um, I thought it was very successful of a way to kind of bring the party together. Um, and it definitely, it made it something interesting. I mean, we've seen plenty of D&D campaigns, both with Critical Role and just other um, types of groups uh, playing, you know, Dimension 20 and stuff. Uh, And I don't think I'd ever really seen an origin story set up like this to bring the group together, Um, having a player character acting as that quest giver. Usually that's kind of the role of the DM and an NPC. Um, So I think it was a really interesting way to kind of start this campaign off and even knowing that Bertrand wasn't going to be with the party forever, um, it might have helped keep people from getting too connected to his character. So maybe it didn't have the same emotional draw of a death as, you know, having that be more surprising necessarily. Um, but I still think it was a fun way for the group to to be able to handle all of this. Mm-hmm. Um And they still cared enough about Bertrand that they wanted to continue going on the quest to figure out his death. Um, So I thought I thought it was a really great start. Now I am disappointed that you know Bertrand didn't turn into our changeling rogue. Well, well, well. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You you were wrong. Does the changeling change back? immediately or does it take some time i'm pretty sure it changes back maybe it's a slow change you know maybe it's like 12 hours maybe it's like 24 maybe it's like 48 hours regardless your changeling rogue would be dead so so lord osteros he's been he's an adventurer Mm -hmm. he's a seasoned adventurer he had adventuring parties in the past you're telling me he doesn't know anyone who knows a resurrection spell he it is funny that he never offered that as an option. 
There's not a cleric in town. Come Tell on. Me he doesn't have a thousand gold diamond. Yeah, he can definitely bring someone back. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying changeling rogue is not off the table. I refuse to let go of it. Travis, call me. We can work this out. Until we see a body go up in a pyre. <laughs> it's not lost. Changeling rogue. You know, it's it's possible. No, it's not. It's not possible. But, you know, it's okay. You win some, you lose some. I mean, I won more than you, but that's okay. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of the this type of introduction and having Travis start as a um, previous you know, player character. Uh, I liked it. I was very confused when Bertram Bell came out in that first episode. I was very confused when he was level five in that first episode. Mm -hmm. It gave us lots to talk about. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think it was a good idea. I think no one could have played that role better uh, than than Travis. And Travis was having a ball doing it too. He was having a great time. He was hilarious. This version of Bertrand is hella funny. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think there's a moment that people weren't laughing, or at least about <laughs> to start laughing, when he was playing that character. Mm-hmm. Um, Him giving directions to Imogen. Oh my god, giving directions <laughs> to Imogen was great. Throwing the the whiskey, <laughs> missing complete. Like some of these things are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that. I'm glad Travis did it himself and it wasn't someone else because that is his character that he played. And, mm-hmm. and it would feel kind of weird letting Matt do it. I mean, Matt would do it, of course, beautifully and respectfully, but it would feel kind of weird having Matt like pilot that character in front of you yeah. instead of you just piloting the character. Um, but I think the the idea of having a player at the table be that quest giver is really interesting. I am a little worried, though, about adding another character into an established table, um, especially if Travis doesn't join the party again for a couple weeks, a couple sessions. Um, Because, you know, just like in real life, you know, you have a dynamic and you finally get it going. Anytime you add someone new to that group, it's going to throw that dynamic off. and while I have full faith and trust in the CR team, um, you know, sometimes that can be difficult to kind of get that that flow back together again, um, especially depending on the type of character that Travis comes back as. Um, if you know, changeling rogue. If we stick with the rogue prediction of, um, you know, that is a kind of a spot that they're missing. Although Valdna has been doing great. <laughs> ish with her lock picking orms are doing great just slashing the locks (laughs) um you know rogues have a tendency to be maybe a little bit brusque and so um play the happiest rogue yeah i was gonna say that might make it harder for him to have a reason to join the table Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm interested to see how they're able to work out fitting this other character back in um because like even you know, with 
Caduceus. 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 There we go. Uh, Even with Caduceus being added to the team, um, it always kind of felt weird at the beginning. Like maybe his story didn't really match with him going. Like Caduceus leaving the graveyard made sense that he, you know, needed to go out and do this quest. But like if he had this quest that he needed to follow, then why was he going on all these other side quests first? Kind of yeah, it, I think that's a, a hard thing in D&D in general. Like, when your character has a goal, why wouldn't they just go straight for that goal? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Matt does a great job of kind of, like, weaving together these these quest paths where you can see where they all just kind of get swept up mm-hmm. in what's going on. Which is relatable in real life. Yeah, which, which I think is great. I, I specifically think back to, like, post that first big quest with everyone um when they're in the sewers and and, uh they come out of that like little weird revolution quest Mm -hmm. and then the next day it's like you either you know get picked up by the military or you you go work for the gentleman but those are your only two options on getting out of town everyone's like well uh we're together right now we we gotta go choose to do something let's go let's get out of here and it kind of shoots them off on this journey mm-hmm. where there are definitely choices and kind of paths to be made but everything moves very very quickly that's true like not that much time passes so you can kind of make it a little bit understandable that maybe a character is okay delaying because it really has only been a couple days instead yeah. of the weeks and months that it's been for us watching exactly i will say though um i like Travis is Bertram giving other characters the moments they need to role play and kind of get comfortable. I hope his new character comes in and disrupts everything. <laughs> like he's played, he's played the the silly, you know, old man who kind of gets to be the joke and gets to be, you know, sweet at times. I want Changeling Rogue of death and destruction or just completely super happy rogue we need a, another ted lasso character we on need the team. another ted lasso character on the team every ted needs their coach beard yes we need a coach beard <laughs> yeah no um yeah we'll have to kind of see see what he comes in with and hopefully we get to see him sooner rather than later i hope so so I think that's kind of the summary of the episode. Um, and Those some are our of predictions. Some of our predictions and thoughts. Anything else that you want to address? Changeling Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for me. How about we roll into our final segment of the day? Our insight checks with each other. Yes, let's do this. All right. Our game of rollies begins. <laughs> our, the game of rollies begin. All right. Would you like to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Go for it. Hey Siri, roll a d20. Okay, 13. Okay, 13. That was a really fast answer. Hey Siri, roll a d20. Rolling. 13. Oh! Oh, yes. Let's go do this again. Go for it. It's not as much fun as two natural ones. It's not not as much, but... Siri, this was more appropriate the last episode. Yeah, what are you doing? Okay, sorry. All right, I'll try again. Hey, Siri, roll a d20. It's seven. Ooh, mm. seven. Okay. 
Hey Siri, roll a d20. Rolling. It's 15. Ooh, mm. yes. That's, that's, that's how many for me? That's how many for doing? It looks like I'm... It's like I'm, looks like I'm doing well here. You're up by one. <laughs> Look at that. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not bitter. Mm-hmm. Ask your question. Let's see. Okay. I want to know from you. You're surrounded by 30... I break into song. <laughs> <laughs> what song? Uh... Trying to remember how the song in Hunchback of Notre Dame goes, but I know it's the Court of Miracles, where it's a miracle if you get out alive. <laughs> I'm pretty sure is what the line is. Oh my god, I love it. Uh, I actually expect you to say, uh, "I have a dream from Tangle." Oh, oh, that's a good one too. Honestly, you know, that one might be more successful. <laughs> Well, we'll see what they go with next time on Critical Role. Do you want to finish actually asking your question? No, that was Since it. Since I just jeopardied you. That was it. You jeopardied the question. Good job. Now, if I was actually surrounded by 30 people, um, you best believe I'm going to be rolling some charisma checks. <laughs> see if I can. Uh, you mean sp- performance checks to see how well you sing. I've got a dream. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You've already said your answer. You're singing. That's fine. That's fine. It might work. Who knows? At least maybe we'll throw them off their game. Maybe, you know, this is, they're here for the laughter. You have to put on a comedy show. And if you don't do good enough, they give you the hook. (laughs) Oh my God. What's the deal with airship food? (laughs) Cactus juice. It'll quench you. It's the quenchiest. Wow, I like that you worked in an Avatar reference. Good job. Why not? Oh my god. It's never a bad time for that. And that's it for us. We are so glad that you joined us for this episode of The Insight Check. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you so much. And definitely recommend watching the episode if you haven't had a chance. Because while we gave you all of the, you know, information, the highlights from the episode... There's lots of fun character moments and um, jokes and things that, you know, we can't fit into our summary. So check it out if you have time for sure. And please share this with people. You know, mm-hmm. we you, the people need to hear our riveting, riveting recollections of Critical Role. They need to hear our summary. They need to hear our thoughts and opinions, our predictions They need to hear about the changeling rogue that will save us all. If anyone actually thinks that a changeling rogue (laughs) is going to appear, please let us know in the comments. (laughs) You know, prove me wrong. Yeah. Shout at us on social media at the insight check pretty much everywhere that we could get that, that handle on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. You can you can just tell us about your changeling rogue theories, team changeling rogue, fresh cut gang. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us for our fifth episode, episode of the Insight Check. We're happy to be here with you, and you know, it is almost Thursday. Roll high, audio support.